your reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. So last week, you know, we preached on glory. We learned about glory, which I was very reluctant to do. I'm sure you remember that. And we did it anyway, and it didn't kill me. So we'll try it again. I want to start by talking about something kind of silly and weird. My dog, it, it does relate with what we're doing. It's not just I want to talk about my dog. She will come, like when I'm sitting at night and I'm sitting in my chair, she'll come and she'll sit in front of me and she'll just stare at my face. I mean, like laser eyes. Stare. And she can do it for like an hour until you're starting to feel a little weird. Like, And eventually she'll win. I mean, eventually I will have to reach out and touch her or invite her like, okay, come here. <laughs> and she's just all happy and she presses in and yay. But she will stare at my face until she wins. I'm sure you're already seeing from last week, if you were here, how that relates to glory and how God's invitation is into his glory. He invites us. You remember we talked about every other God, every false God says, bring your mat, right? Bring your mat, bring a barrier because my glory is mine and your job is to serve me while I sit apart from you. So bring your mat. And our God says, take your shoes off, be circumcised, remove the veil, right? Our God is different. Our God is the God of love. He invites us. In fact, we looked at last week, his plan for you, his intention from the very beginning is that you carry his glory, right? That's our God. Does that excite anybody besides me? Okay. Now, you understand that if week after week I brought a powerful message that's accurate from the Bible, from the Word of God, but it was devoid of presence, that that would be a curse, right? Though even the word of God itself is very clear about that, that just increasing in knowledge without God's presence in it is a curse because there's no way you can fulfill anything that you read apart from the blessing of his presence. And so really, as we talk about glory, these are some of the things that we're talking about. Now, before we just jump in, I want to kind of do a sort of review of last week. I wasn't even sure what we did. I had to go home and kind of think about it. I knew it was good, but it's like, what were you doing, Lord? What happened? And I realized we answered one question. That's basically really all that we did. How do we transform? All over the scriptures, it tells us that we're to transform, right? We're to be transformed, says in Romans 12, and that's how we prove his will, right? So how do we transform? That's what we answered last week. How did, so how do we transform? Do you know the answer now? We see his glory, right? We are transformed as we see him, as we look unto his face as in a mirror. And we're going to look at that again. It's important to start at that foundation. But I want to point some things out. The word of God is very clear that we are not transformed by spiritual disciplines. Let's just put that out there. We are not transformed by serving or by the work of the ministry. 
Those things don't have the power to transform us. We're not transformed by avoiding evil or trying not to sin. Okay, All those things are good things, right? What, why are those important things? Because they position us to see him, right? To see his glory, to participate with him. Those things in and of themselves are not transformational. Only his presence, only his face is transformational. That's why those things are so important, but they will never be the things that transform us. One note on serving, and then we're going to jump in. You realize that even Jesus, okay, as our model, and he's not just our model. He's, <laughs> he's everything. He's the creator. He's our king. But as our model, how did he serve? It tells us very clearly. He only ever really did one thing. He did what he saw the Father doing. Or he said what he heard the Father saying. Okay, that's all he ever did in all of his ministry. So even Jesus our king, only ever did, only ever served by keeping his focus on the glory of his father, by keeping his focus on his father. And therefore, he served like this, right? And so if Jesus did that, then how much more us, right? Transformation is in his face. And that's what we're going to start to see this morning. I want to go back a little bit. I want to start on one scripture we looked at last week because it's so incredibly foundational that it has to be our start point. Okay, and that's back at 2 Corinthians 3. And we'll start in verse 12. Okay, here in verse 12, it says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. What was passing away? Do we remember? The law, the, the, well, the old covenant, right? The old covenant. And it says, but their minds were blinded for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Where is the veil taken away? In Christ. Keep that. It's going to be so critical today. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Now listen, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When is the veil taken away? When you turn to the Lord. I, I found that counterintuitive. I would think the veil would have to be taken away to turn to the Lord. But that's, to, that's making something very clear. This whole passage is about glory, his glory. So you've got to keep that context when we turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. So the ability to gaze upon, what does it say? To stare steadily, to look steadily at him, which is what is transforming, that veil is removed so that we can do that. And then it says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now last week we put great effort into this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Freedom for what? freedom to become, to be transformed into what he intends for you to be transformed into. One who his glory, his image is upon. That's his plan, that you are a carrier of his glory. See, we have to start there. Now we're going to go back to this passage. If you want to 
put a marker or keep a finger in there. But I want to go to Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll start right in verse 1, okay? This is really one of the most powerful moments of Isaiah being called out into this huge, powerful calling. You know very well, Isaiah is the prophet that has the most crystal clear, most shining prophecy of the glory of Jesus Christ, unlike any other, really. So what we're going to read here, for that to be true, for that to be the result, what we're going to read here is what would have to happen. Okay, so look at this with me. And here it says in verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings with two. He covered his face with two. He covered his feet and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. We're going to keep going. But just, (laughs) what did we just read? This is just like Stephen we talked about last week, right? He is looking at the glory of the Lord. Actually looking at it. Remember, what's transformational? That. (laughs) What we're reading, right? Transformation for us comes when we see his glory, when we experience, when we witness him as in a mirror. We're going to read that in a minute. That's transformation to us. So that's what's going on here. Now listen, this is what happens next, looking at this kind of glory. In verse 5, okay? So here's his reaction. It says, So I said... Woe is me, for I'm undone. Okay, how many of you know the glory of the Lord can make us very nervous? (laughs) And there's good reason for that, right? Okay, and he says, I'm undone. That can also be translated, I'm ruined. I've seen the glory of God to such measure that I'm ruined, is what he's saying. And he says, now listen, he says, because I am a man of unclean lips. Why is he undone? He's incredibly self-aware of his flawedness in the face of the glory of God. Now hold that. And it goes on and says, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He's incredibly aware corporately also of how undone we should be in the glory of God, incredibly self-aware. And then he says, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In verse 6, it goes on and says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Now you understand what's happening here. Fire, the fire of God is brought down to cleanse. Okay? It's brought down to take care of the problem that makes him undone. And this is what's said Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Okay, we've got to stop. So he's cleansed, right? Removing the veil. Okay, right? In Christ. I have no doubt that it is Jesus Christ who sent 
that cleansing for Isaiah from the scene in that throne room. Okay, it doesn't say it explicitly, but it's got to be obvious here. Okay, cleansing comes from one place. Now listen, then it goes, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but I'm just going to keep going here. In verse 8 it says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Now here's how the conversation continues. It says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then he says, Then I said, Here I am. Send me. And then God says, Go and tell this people. And then he tells him what to tell. Now look what happened here. Just in case you didn't realize it, you just read transformation. Okay? It starts, he sees the glory of God, right? That's where it starts. And what, what happens to him? He's undone. I'm completely undone in the glory of God, he says. So God says, well, we're going to have to take care of that. Sends the cleansing fire. And the next thing you know, what does he have? He has his own identity. He says, what does he say? He says, here I am. That's transformation. He went from being undone to saying, I know who I am. Send me. You see, the Lord did not take away his, is overwhelmingness a word? The overwhelmingness of his glory. That, that never gets taken away, right? You all know there's no way you're ever going to stop being amazed with God's glory. You're not, it's never going to stop being overwhelming. God's glory. He didn't take that away. But what did he take away? The overwhelmingness of his self-awareness, of his flaw. The problem was taken care of. So he could become what he was to become. One who would speak the most clear, prophetic, amazing revelation of the glory of God, of Jesus Christ himself. He would speak those words. See that? The veil is removed. In the spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Freedom for what? Freedom to become what he intends for you to become. That was a really good point right there. <laughs> Transformation. He finds his identity, right? Okay, that was a side note. <clears throat> <laughs> We're going to go back to the main passage there in 2 Corinthians. Go on to verse 18. And we read this last week, and then we're going to kind of push on. Here it says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, Now I hope you're getting everything we talked about from last week back, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Veils removed, we're beholding the glory of the Lord, and so what happens? So automatically we are being transformed into the same image. What image? His image. Jesus' image. We're being transformed into the same image as we behold him, as if looking in a mirror. That's the only transformation that there is. Looking at his face, his presence is what's transforming just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Well, I skipped from glory to glory. In ever-increasing glory, right? Ever-increasingly into the same image of our King. That's His intention for you. That's how much He loves you. Okay, now I'm going to do something weird. We're going to go back to verse 7. I wanted to start, start with the verses that we did last week. Now I'm going to push back and read the couple of verses that are just before what we read last week. And that starts in 2 Corinthians 3, 7. 
Here it says, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. Now, what are we talking about? What's the ministry of death written and engraved on stones? The law, the old covenant, right? The, that ministry, if that was glorious. Now, let's get something straight. Was that glorious? The old covenant, was it glorious? The ministry of death? It is. There's great glory there. You realize it still has glory. You realize unless a seed fall in the ground and die, it's not going to go from glory to glory to glory to the production of fruit. Okay? That's, that's New Testament too. There is glory in death, in the ministry of death. Okay? But this is saying if that was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, because he glowed like a light bulb, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Now look, I want to point something out. This morning we're actually, we're going to go and look at Moses, okay? But what I want you to recognize, even just starting right now, what we tend to do is go back and read the scriptures, the narrative and the stories, and we go, wow, it was so glorious then. Look at what you're reading Look at the glory. That would have been so cool. And I'm with you. I'd love to have like a time machine and be there instead of read about it. But what we just read is that that glory, and we're going to see it even more in this passage, that glory was like as of nothing compared to the glory now. Now there's an element where we take that on faith. There are times when the glory of God falls in ways where <laughs> the truth is it requires very little faith. I don't know how many of you have experienced that, but the glory, this is telling us that the glory of God now, the release, the di- and we're going to talk about why, but the dispatch of God's glory, the, his transformational presence now makes this look like no glory at all. So when we start to look at Moses in just a minute and start to see the glory of God then, I want you to keep that in mind. You're reading about something that's pale compared to now. So this goes on and says, which was passing away. You see, that's a glory that's passing away from glory to glory, right? For if the ministry of condemnation, I don't even like those words, the ministry of condemnation, but it had glory, right? If it had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. What's the glory that excels? The new covenant, the finished work of Jesus. Okay, and we're going to see why it excels so exceedingly that the last glory was not even glory. For what was passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Okay, now we're going to look at uh, Moses. Let me see where we want to go. Yeah, let's do this. Okay, Exodus 3, and we'll start in verse 3. Moses is seeing the burning bush, okay? Enter the glory of God in Moses' life. The beginning of Moses being transformed, okay? That's where we're at here. And it says in verse 3, Then Moses said, he sees the bush, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. In other words, why it's not consumed. Now look, first of all, 
two different people can see this bush. Let's just get this out of the way and have two very different reactions. You understand that's weird, right? <laughs> right? You know how weird that would be? You're walking through, here's a bush burning, it's not being consumed. That's weird. Okay, The glory of God, you read about it in the scriptures, those of you that have experienced various things in your life, you know that the glory of God is weird. Now, is it weird to God? No, that's his normal. <laughs> that's his normal. To the natural mind, it's weird. So Moses is here and he goes, that's weird. <laughs> right? One person would take off running and go, that's weird, I'm out of here. Okay, Moses doesn't do that. Moses sees the bush and says, that's weird. I have got to go check out this weirdness. In verse four, it says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. You see, because he was okay with the weird, he went over to the weird. He heard his name. He got called. Now listen, you're going to notice these words. What, what happens here? Transformation begins. He's looking at the glory of God. And he said, here am I. Identity. Okay? You encounter the glory of God. You see the face of God. And all of a sudden you go, here I am. <laughs> Does that make sense? You will see that pattern. We just looked at it twice. But I promise you, you will see the truth of what I just said cover to cover. When you encounter Jesus, your maker, the glory of God, it makes you go, oh, here I am. <laughs> I didn't even know me. You see, because you are only you as you become what your maker intended you to be. <laughs> Thank you. So glad I heard some amens. You know what that tells me? People in here know that. That's so good. It's so good that you know that. You've experienced that. Identity. The image. What's your identity? What is your intended identity? Are you picking up on this? The glory of God. The same image as Him. It tells you that over and over. I know. I know. We've got worthiness problems. <laughs> we just want. It, we just hear that, and we want to go. Oh no, I don't think so. And God's going. Yeah. If I, it, yes. If I say that's my intention for you, then you need to get on board. I did everything required to make you into my righteousness so that you could have my glory. That's my idea. That's what I'm going to do. This is so good. I got to keep moving because there's so many good things that I'm going to tell you. And then, and then here's the part. Then he said, do not draw near, near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. So God says, I'm inviting you into my glory. Come over into my presence. Come over here. In order to do that, you're going to have to remove the things that are in the way. Take off your sandals. Okay. All right. Now we're going to do the really good stuff. Go with me to Exodus 33 and verse 7. Continue with Moses. Now, here we are. We're way down the road. You understand when he encounters that burning bush, he has no idea levels from glory to glory to glory. Moses has no idea what God has planned for him. The glory, the levels of glory that he is about to encounter with God. Okay? And so this is down the road. Now they've been set free from Egypt. They've set up the tabernacle. The tabernacle is a tent at this point, and they're in a camp. 
Okay, God is establishing the revelation of himself and his plans for them through Moses. We're in that time here. And so we read here in verse 7, and it says, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. Did you hear those words? Outside the camp, far from the camp. Far out, right? In other words, I, I think that that's deliberate, okay? He went far out because it was separate from the distractions, the daily goings on. You find out later the same language is used for Jesus. It was His ministry was accomplished outside the camp. You hear the same words. So it's on purpose. And Moses calls it the tabernacle of meeting. Later they call it the tabernacle of presence. But see, Moses meets with God here. So he calls it the tabernacle of meeting. Now listen to these. I want you to picture this scene, okay? Go ahead and put yourself there as we read this. It says, And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. That is so weird. Are you picturing that? So all the people are here in the camp, right? And so here's how it would be. If this is like Tabernacle Street or Main Street that goes right down the center of the camp, okay, they, Moses would be coming and everybody would go, oh, he's coming, and they would all stand in the doors of their tent and Moses would go down Tabernacle Street and everybody would just be be standing there staring at him. Wouldn't that be weird? I mean, that would be weird for Moses and the people. He's going into the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine? But I want to <laughs> I want to tell you something. This is an image of God's plans for us now. We do actually do this now, or we should be. Actually, let me read on and I'll tell you about that. Because what they do next is so important. In verse 9 it says, And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all, listen, all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, what would we just read? In other words, they stood in their doors and they worshipped the whole time while Moses would be in the tabernacle meeting face to face. They worshipped. Do you know that's what we do now? Do you know every single one of you is a ministry leader? Okay, you all lead something. If, if at the very least you lead, you are the leader of your own life, <laughs> your own self, responsible for self under the headship of Jesus Christ. But we're also called to things, every single one of us. And what we do is we stand in the doorway of our own ministry while each one of us goes in and speaks, speaks to the Lord, goes into the transformational presence to come back out to community. They would stand at attention, worshiping the Lord, waiting for him to come out and say what the Lord has spoken. Am I making sense? Am I doing okay? Do you know we do that now? That's what we do now. 
We do that for each other. We're worshiping. I think we've all but lost faith that we've gone to speak to the Lord. You think I'm stretching that? Imagine. Somebody says, so I was talking to the Lord. I want to tell you about this. I was praying about our ministry or whatever. I was talking to the Lord, and and he said, already people are going, you were, were you? (laughs) Did he talk back? Right? We don't even and yeah, as a matter of fact he did. I want to, that's why I'm talking to you. I want to tell you what he said, and people are going, uh-huh. Right? We don't even believe this anymore, but this is a pattern for what is now. Okay? Every one of you leaders, whenever I hear one of you come to me and say, say anything to the effect of God is showing me this. He's told me this. You got my attention. Have you noticed? I'm going, really, what did he tell you? Because I need to hear that. You need to come tell me what the Lord is saying to you when you're in the tabernacle of presence. That doesn't surprise me. I've been worshiping. I bet he has been talking to you. Do you see? And then notice how this ends. And this, is, this was really going to be my point, but it looks like it's going to be more so in the future. But so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. You know that he wants friendship with you. Is that amazing? I, I never get, I never stop being blown away by that. He wants to be my friend. He wants me to come face to face. You see, that's dangerous. Friendship is dangerous. How many of you know that? <laughs> Why is it dangerous? It's risk. It's risky. It's face to face relationship. Friendship is face to face. In John 15, and I'm going to skip right to 13, John 15:13. You all know the scripture, I know you do. It says greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. So, did Jesus lay his life down for you? Then what does that make you? Friends, he laid his life down for his friends. And then what does that mean? It says what it means. It says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer, now listen, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Now listen, why was Moses even going to the tabernacle of presence in the first place? to find out all of, the, all of the words of the Lord, to find out this revelation, the same thing that Jesus is talking about here in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, all of the things that Jesus hears from his Father, he shares with us because we're his friends. Moses spoke to the Lord to hear the things of the Lord so he could go out and tell the people. This is why it's more glorious. I, I can't help it. I'm letting the cat out of the bag. This is why it's more glorious. Before Moses went in and all the people stood out at the doors of their tent, and then he would come out and tell them, now, where is the tabernacle of presence or the tabernacle of meeting? You got it. That's what's so much more glorious. The work is now finished. You see, I'm thinking of a scripture, I have no idea where it is right now, and it says the spirit had not yet been given because he had not yet been glorified. Do you all know this one? What does that mean? It means, you see, now he's been glorified and the Spirit's been given. I pour out my Spirit on all flesh. 
That's why this glory that we read about, this was, this was nothing. This is like a, um, an LED light <laughs> compared to the, the glory and the majesty of Jesus released in the Spirit of God in every single one of you, in all of us together. It's the glory of God now. He wants to meet with you face to face. I wasn't going to do this, but I feel the fire, so here we go. We have got to become a people that believe that He wants to speak with you, that He is waiting to meet with you face to face because He wants to tell you something. And then He wants you to come tell us. We're all waiting for you to come tell us so that we can all go from glory to glory in the transformation into the image of our King together. We cannot bless Him if we don't have faith. He cannot bless us if we don't have faith because He honors you. He made you a wondrous glory. His plan is that you are a glory. (laughs) That means He honors you with the choice to have faith or not. Now, faith is a gift from God, but he honors you with choice whether you're going to receive that gift or not. That was a rabbit trail I didn't plan. Are we doing okay? Okay. All right. Okay, I'm not because I, I really have to talk about this, so we're going to do it. I've been excited about this. Now this next, actually it's not even a verse, it's the next, the second half of that verse. It looks like nothing, but the more I meditated on it, the more the Lord just revealed and revealed. So look at this. So back to verse 11, the first part we read, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then it says, And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man did not depart from the tabernacle. What do you think about that detail? Isn't that odd? I want to tell you what I think is going on here. Okay. Moses would come out. He's been speaking with the Lord, right? So he has his words now. He has the next phase of the ministry development plan or whatever. He's got to go out and announce this. But he would pass by Joshua who would be there in the tabernacle. And really, so what does Joshua say? Moses is coming through, and Joshua says, okay, you're going to go deliver the ministry plan? You know where to find me if you need me. I'll be right here in the tabernacle, okay? If you need me. He says, if you need me, I'll be right here. He's got a priority structure. Now, I don't know if you all watch... Um, every once in a while, I become a political news junkie. We're not going to go there, trust me. But I'll, I just want to um, give you an image that I think we all know. You know when they come out and they're announcing a new law or whatever, which is what Moses is doing, right? And all of these comes out to the podium. And then there's all the others who were like with them there in the meeting or near the meeting house or whatever. And they're all standing there, make sure they're on camera. If they're the one over here out on the side, they're standing there like this. right? They got to get in there because that's where the authority is. But Joshua has an authority, I mean a priority structure. That's what I mean to say. What does he prioritize? Presence. 
He's ate up over it. He can't get enough. Moses is coming out with the, with the words of God. He just met face to face. He's going to share the word. And Joshua's like, well, know where you can find me with, if you need me. I'll be here in the tabernacle. I wonder why God chose Joshua to be the one to take them right over the river into the promised land. I'll tell you why. Because he was going to have the presence of God. Serving, doing things, knowing the words of God. You see, the words, lowercase words of God, I'm sure he treasured those too. I'm sure he got caught up to speed later (laughs) or whatever. But capital word of God, the Logos Jesus Christ, the overwhelming glory, the presence, he was going to be right there. And God says, I found my man that's going to take him across the river. It's the presence of God. Yeah, I get so mad. Life has been pressing. You know how it is. Life presses and the busyness comes. And I get so mad when I get too busy to just sit in his presence. I mean, you don't even want to be around me. I can turn into a jerk. Am I right? (laughs) You can think about that for a second next time if you want to. But I'm telling you, I know when I know when it starts to happen to me. Can anybody relate? We're like, it has been too long since I have just, without agenda, just sat in the presence of my King, so that His glory would come on to me, so that I carry glory instead of my ugly self. In the presence of God, Joshua knew this, and so did Moses. In fact, the scripture, we're not going to read it. I thought we were going to, but the scriptures actually say Moses would go out and deliver the word when he was commanded. When he was commanded, he would go give the word. Now, you can interpret it how you want, but I think that's telling us something. When he gets in there with the presence of God, when he's speaking to God face to face, he's going to have to be commanded to leave. And then Joshua says, okay, go ahead. You know where to find me. We cannot be a people that are willing to settle for a religion or a theological construct or something that is outside of ourselves, okay? We are a people of the presence. We are are a people that God has promised his glory. And he's commanded us to be transformed so that we are a people that prove his will in this nasty place, in this fallen place. That's his intentions. And he has told us plainly in his word that there is only one way that you become my glory, such that you carry my glory and power into this place. There's only one way. And it's not working hard enough. It's not disciplines. It's not serving. It's not reading your Bible. It's not any of those things. It's in his presence. It's looking into his face like my dog. (laughs) I'm going to sit here. I'm going to look into your face. There's only one place I want to be. I want to be transformed. And there's only one way you're transformed. The word of God is crystal clear on the matter. You are transformed as you see the glory of God. As you look into his face, that's transformational. So many good things I want to do. How long do y'all want to stay?
<laughs> Let me see if I can do one more blessing. You know what? I know the blessing. Psalm seventeen fifteen. David knew this. These are words of David. He says, As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. You see that? Just read that for a minute. Just look at that for a minute. That's life-changing truth. If you soak that one in, that's everything we've been talking about. When I see your face, I'm changed. So, okay, I feel this, and then we'll wrap up. In other words, you have to believe it first, right? You have to believe that he's inviting you into his presence. That he wants more than anything for you to be friends. To sit with him. To be with him in his presence. In his overwhelming glory. Face to face. You've got to believe that first. We've got to move away from, I'm a scientist, my first degree is biologist. <laughs> I'm a scientist at heart. I love, every, I love the things God created. But we have got to get away from thinking that this, this natural <laughs> is what there is in terms of us being with our king. We're a friend of God. He wants more than anything to sit with you. He wants to look into your face until his glory, until his image, the glory of his image is upon you. And then we've got to have a priority structure, right? Then we've got to say, um, you got important things to do? Cool. I'll be right here. I'm going to be, you know where to find me if you need me. I'll be here and... <laughs> in the presence with the one who loves me, with my friend, the king. Does that feel mystical or does it feel practical to you? Let me see a show of hands. How many of you feel like what I just shared is, is practical? Like you could, you could go, you could do this. You, could, <laughs> you have the faith and you could, you could be in the presence of your king. Okay. How many of you struggle in terms of like you're thinking, that sounds good, but it's kind of mystical. It's kind of like, okay. You're, you're both, okay, I got it, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, then I know how to pray. Let's close, let's just pray. Is it okay if I pray for you? Okay. Jesus, we worship you. <laughs> we are so blown away by you that we just worship you. We just offer you praise. We uh, cannot even believe that um, the creator of the universe, the God who designed us and made us from nothing, that you want to be our friend. And that you, you just wait. You just are always waiting for us to come and be in your presence, to sit down and talk with you face to face because we're your friends. And Father, I pray that by the power of your Spirit that you would open the eyes of revelation in this place. That you would take things from the mystical and make it 
make it the most practical thing in the world in, in your kids here today. Lord, I pray that you would just bring revelation, open hearts, so that they would see how they can always come to you and be with you face to face, and that you would manifest in glory for them in this way. That they would experience you in ways that they have not. Just like your word says, Lord, I pray from glory to glory. For each person here, Lord, I just declare that they're about to move into the next glory of their friendship with you. Even today, even this week, right now, Lord, I pray that they're moving into the next glory in wherever they're at, in their relationship with you face to face. And Lord, that we would become a people. We, we are hungry to become the people the, of your presence, the people that, that have your glory upon us so that we carry the very kingdom of God wherever we go. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.